You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The text that we read has to do with light. This is really probably one of my most favorite texts in the Bible, one of my most favorite subjects in the Bible. The text tells us that uh, we should make sure that the light shines. And actually, what the text is telling us is that we should turn the lights on and let them shine. Light is such a common and easily accessed phenomena that we hardly give it a passing thought. When we come into a dark room, somebody says, turn on the lights, we just automatically do it. We know how to do it. And we do it because we want the light on. We may not know how it happens, but when we flip the switch, Eureka, lights come on. We've even got it now in some ways where people can clap their hands and the lights will come on. People can touch the screen of a computer and the lights will come on. People can get close to a switch and the lights will come on. Sometimes people can just pass in front of a sensor and the lights will come on. We can get the lights on. And so Jesus is saying here that we need to turn on the light. And he said, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. And then he tells us that we need to, as individuals, we need to make sure that we keep those lights shining. Now, that's, light is not a surprise to us. It's, it's not uh, something that is unusual to us because as modern people, lights are commonplace. Everything is lighted up. Even when we go out at night, we can have the light around us. But you know, it was less than a hundred years ago, or maybe just a little longer than a hundred years ago, that modern science could even describe the nature of light. Did you know that? I think it was Einstein in the first part of the 20th century decided that he knew that light came in little tiny packages called photons, like electromagnetic energy. It was hard to define. We didn't know how it worked, but today we know that light is produced by these photons. And modern technology tells us, even though we can't see them, they're nano-sized, uh, and they're electromagnetic, and it's called quantum energy. We know that, uh, that these photons travel forward. They go forward, and they go in waves. They don't oscillate. They go in waves. And we also know, science tells us, that light does not disappear. Doesn't disappear. It is absorbed, but it doesn't disappear. And we know that light has no mass when it rests. It's not heavy. The darkness has mass, and darkness is heavy. But light has no mass. Light does not rest. It's restless. And we know that it travels at the speed of 186,282 miles per second. That's fast. That's extreme. Fast as the speed of light. That's what it is. Uh, 
And we know that light exists even when we can't see it. Did you know that? The old, the old uh, saw is, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound? And you know, people are still debating that. Quantum mathematicians are still debating that. Somebody says, well, I can go out there and tell you whether or not it makes a sound. Well, they're saying, well, maybe it makes a sound this way or that way or whatever it may be. But the point is, we know what happens. When it falls, it disturbs the molecules in the air, and the air vibrates. And if you're out there, it'll vibrate your eardrum. So we know, really, honestly, that a tree falling without anybody there makes a sound. Maybe it's just the bunny rabbit that hears it, but somebody hears the sound. And we know that light exists whether or not we see it. Now we can see light because we have, uh, the light is in a band. And it, it has a long band and, and we, we can see it between this band of 400 and 700 as it's measured. That's where we can see. But light also is radioactive light. Light is also x-ray light. Light is also photogenic light. There are cer certain types of light and our eyes can detect a certain band of light, and then we get the colors in that band. Because we have rods and cones in our eyes that detect color. So we know, for instance, that light is existing whether or not we can see it. And the believer knows something else. The believer knows who made it. We know who made the light. We may not know how it works. And this may be the first time you've heard about photons. Probably not if you went to public school. You may not have remembered it, but you probably were taught it. But now then, we do know who made it. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And you know, we believe the same. Light is good. It really is. He said, light is good. And he divided the light from the darkness. Light and darkness cannot coexist. When the light comes, the darkness leaves. Now that's the way it works. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He just commanded it to shine out of darkness. And he put the lights in the heavens for the seasons and the times. And also I kind of think of them as street lights in the heavens, the stars. You know, for a long time, this was the only way mariners could navigate the oceans. And, and, and uh, explorers could nav navigate on this earth because through a sextant or some way of measuring what the stars were and the position they were, they could tell where they were on the earth. I couldn't do it. But mariners could, and adventurers could, and those who were exploring could, because God put some street lights up in the heavens. And the greater light that He put in the heavens, He called that the sun. And the lesser light, which simply reflects the light of the sun, He called the moon. We love light. I do. When we cannot see clearly, and our light and our sight is clouded or dampened, it affects our spirits. It sure does. When you can't see, this idea of light and darkness, if we were to define darkness, you know how they define it? How is it, how is it defined? Look in your dictionary. It's defined the absence 
of light. Ha! Isn't that something? You can't define darkness without saying light's not there. And yet when you start talking about darkness, people don't seem to be able to understand that either. Scientists have a hard time with that. As a matter of fact, scientists tell us one thing, and I want to tell you right now. Scientists tell us that darkness has weight. It's heavy. Light is not heavy. It has no weight. Light can get through a vacuum. Light can go where darkness can't go, but it can go. Because it goes forward, and it has energy, and it has power. And we like that. We love the light. Darkness dampens us. Darkness is heavy. And the night bring, brings gloom, but the morning brings happiness. It really does. We can feel it. Shadows frighten us. Darkness is terrifying when it falls over us and hides things from our sight. The morning is light, the day is bright, the night is heavy, and it's dark and gloomy. Maybe that's why the darkness feels like a blanket or a shroud. But the light feels like a, a cloak of glory. That's what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, when the Bible talks about the throne of God, it talks about it being enshrouded with a rainbow and glory. It's called about glory. The light with this pageantry of colors cheers us up, refreshes our spirit. Darkness dampens us. And I was going to say a while ago, when, when scientists are trying to define light, you know what word they use to define it? Well, the word we've been using. But when they try to define darkness, you know what they use? Gray. Shades of gray. I think about this movie and book that we've seen so much about, Fifty Shades of Gray. Well, it's talking about problems. But when, when scientists try to define darkness, they define it as shades of gray. And when you talk about your funky mood... You're going to talk about shades of gray. You just get heavier and heavier and heavier and grayer and grayer and grayer. In addition to the fact, and what I wanted to say a while ago was this. Light does not die. Light moves forward. It just keeps on going. As a matter of fact, it's defined as being restless. Light is restless. That's the molecules, the photon molecules of light. It's restless, and it has no weight, resting weight. It doesn't have it. It just keeps going forward. Darkness kind of slumps. Darkness kind of blobs. Darkness kind of oozes forward. Light charges forward, and it's bright, and it's brilliant, and it's alive, and it's active. There are certain good reasons. I think these are the good reasons why Jesus is referred to as the light. Because, and I'm not talking metaphysically, I'm going to tell you right now that when Jesus comes into a room, and it may be you bringing him, he lights up that room. And it's not metaphysical. You can feel the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus is light. He's not only light, but he's power and he's energy and he is life. Light brings life. John chapter 1 at verse 4 says, In Him was life, L-I-F-E, 
And it says, the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. He said, and uh-oh, the darkness comprehends it not. Dar darkness doesn't get it. Doesn't understand it. First, in John chapter 1 verse 9 says, This was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. You know what happens when you come into the world? You're alive. And it says Jesus is the one that brings you alive. In John chapter 8 verse 12 it says, Then Jesus again said unto them, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have, and I want you to listen carefully, the light of life. The light brings life. And he said later in John 9 verse 5, he says, As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. He said, While it is day, walk in the light. No man walks in the darkness or works in the darkness. That was what was going on then. First John chapter 1 and verse 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. None at all. So when Jesus comes into your life, He turns on the light and He brings you to life and you can feel it. You can feel it. When He enters our life, He turns on the light and we see things that really are not what they appear to be. When He turns on the light in our lives, we can see the sun comes up. We can clearly see where we have been. We can clearly see where we are. And we can clearly see when we're going if we get out of the dark. If you stay in the dark, you're not going to see anything. But Jesus, if you come to Jesus, He'll open all that up for you. We know that when Jesus refers to darkness, He's speaking of the darkness that enshrouds, enshrouds the world in sin, in things that are wrong. Proverbs 4 verse 19 says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not what they, at what they stumble. And when you're in the dark... Just think about it. And by the way, there's a lot of things, a lot of terrible things that go on in the dark. When you're in the dark, you're going to bump into something. You're going to run over something. You're going to trip over something. You're going to take the wrong direction. You're going to take the wrong turn. You're going to grope around. You're going to try to feel your way around. You don't know where you are. And it gets scary. There are scary things in the dark. Things that go bump in the night. When we hear something go bump in the night, we don't go outside unless we have a baseball bat in our hands because something bumped our house and shouldn't have. But if it's light, we just run out there and see what's going on because it's light. But when we're in the darkness, we're in fear. We're fearful. We're afraid. We don't know what's in the dark. I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> we knew a fellow one time a brother in Christ, good young man, good man, had some good kids, a good wife, fine fellow, big tall guy, he was from the east, he was a Yankee, he was from Ohio or someplace like that, anyway, he didn't talk like us Texans talk, so, in Okies, Texans and Okies, we knew him, he's a member of the church, and uh, he played basketball after work. He'd go play basketball after work. And when it, sometimes in the wintertime, it'd get dark before he got home. But in order for him to play basketball, and his wife was doing other things, he had someone babysit the kids. They were small at the time. 
he came home in the dark, went in his garage, snuck in the garage. He didn't want to disturb anybody. Took off his shoes, held his briefcase, went up to the door, eased the door open in the dark. <laughs> and the babysitter was doing the same thing. She thought she heard something and it was dark. So she went to the door and they both opened the door at the same time and they both threw everything in their hands and screamed. This big guy was screaming out in the garage because something scared her, him, in the dark and scared her too. They both stood there screaming at each other. We thought that was awful funny. And it is, really. But it's also serious because we know that things in the dark are frightening. They are frightening. And they're fearful. And sometimes... When we talk about the darkness, we have to talk about people who think about the darkness in terms of gray. Gray. When things get gray in this life, in terms of sin, it's because people are starting to mix up the light with the darkness, starting to mix it out, and starting to creep the darkness back into the light. And Isaiah said in chapter 5, verse 20, he said, Woe unto them! that call good evil and evil good, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. When Jesus got here, and John the Apostle was writing about him, you remember a guy came to him and said, Good Master, we know that you're a teacher come from God, because no man can do the things you're doing except God be with him. That guy had snuck up to Jesus in the night. He came in the night. He was afraid. He was afraid of people seeing him with Jesus, apparently. And as John was relating this story, he said, he said in John chapter 3, verse 19, he said, This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why is it that people like to bumble around and stumble around and, and, and make problems in the darkness? That's where all the evil takes place. Most of it is in the darkness. Matthew chapter 4 verse 16 tells us that the people that sat in darkness, and this was Jesus preaching, He said, The people that sat in darkness have seen a great light, and in them which sat in the region's shadow of death, light has sprung up. That's because Jesus came. In a word, Jesus came to rescue us from a dark world and bring us into the world filled with light and life. That's why He came. Give us light in life. John chapter 12, verse 46, he says, I am come a light into this world that whosoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. Now, he came not only to turn on the light, but to open our eyes so we could clearly see the things that are of the utmost importance to us. Okay? Matthew 10, 26, he said, There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. And in Matthew 13, 17, he says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see in your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and wise men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. Now I believe that we can say, that I can say, I believe this about myself and you too, that without rational contradiction, that Jesus has lighted up the world. He has actually lighted up the world. We not only can see it, we can experience it.
experience it. Wherever Jesus has gone and his name is honored and his presence is welcomed, the darkness flees and the light comes on. He brings love and not hatred. He brings peace and not violence. He brings goodness and not evil. When he is introduced into a family or a community, everything and everybody improves. Everything gets better with Jesus. People change. Life gets better. Happiness thrives, drives out sadness. Hope fills the air and, and despair leaves the scene. And the lights come on. Our text in Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16, tells us two things that happen. First of all, light enters our house. A city set on the hill, he said, cannot be hid. What that means is that, that he's going to light up our house. And as we read in the New Testament further and further, we find out that when he talks about our house, he's talking about our life. He's talking about me. He's talking about something that's happened inside Bill. He's saying, he's telling us, cities set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. So when Jesus comes into my house, he comes into my life, he turns on the lights. And that tells me, at this point, I can see what I look like. Now the Bible does not tell me that Jesus got in your house so I can see what's there. He tells me, He's in my house. He's in my house. And I've got the bushel. I've got a, a, you know what a bushel is? It's a basket. They used to carry groceries and, and not groceries but vegetables in it. He said, you don't put that down over the candle so that you blot out the light. There was a time, really, in this country and in other countries, in Europe as well, where people had to put their lights out. They had to turn them out. Especially people on the coast. Because we were afraid of the invasion of the Japanese armies and the German armies. And so there was a, a blackout. California had one of those just a while ago, and a brownout, but it wasn't because they were trying to put it out. But it happens. But it happened deliberately during World War II. People were told to pull their drapes, turn off their lights, get a, get a blackout, so that if Bombers were coming over. The enemy was coming over. They wouldn't see the light. But Jesus said, turn on your lights. Turn on, open your blinds. Let people see. And here the city set up on the hill. He said, we want people to see this city. Why? Because the light is on there. Our lights, our lives are lightened up by Jesus. So he comes into my house and he turns the lights on. And he says, don't you turn it off. Well, that was a little different in my house. In my house, I told the kids, there's an off switch on those lights. When you go from one room to the next, turn the light off. Because I was cheap. I, not only cheap, I didn't have the money really to burn the lights. It took energy to burn the lights. Lights take energy. But now then... Jesus said, Bill, don't you do that. Don't you go through the house turning the lights off. Turn them on and leave them on. Leave them on and let people see that the lights are on. And he says that he wants people to see that the light is on in my house. He wants people to see that. Somebody else see it. Not only me. Basically, 
what happens when I invite Jesus in? And I do invite him in. Matthew, uh, I think it's, uh, let me think just a minute. It's John chapter 14, verse 23. He said he, he and his father would come in and, uh, and dwell with me if I'd invite them, if I'd obey his commandments. So I can invite Jesus into my house. And then in Revelation, and I think it's chapter 3, and it may be verse 14 or 18. I can't remember the exact verse. He says he, he, would, uh, he would come in, he'll knock, and if we'll open, he'll come in and sup with me. So, he'll come into my house. But when he comes into my house, he's at my door, and he's knocking on my door, and I'll say, okay, Lord, I look out my people, it's you. Come in. And the first thing he does is, and the first thing I say is, don't turn on the lights, and the first thing he does is turn on the lights. And all of a sudden, I can see what my house looks like. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, Lord, wait, 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 wait. I, this thing is a mess, and so I start making apologies. I'll clean this up, I'll clean that up. You don't have any place to set. You know, and everything's in a mess all around my house. What he's saying is, I'll turn on your lights, and I'll help you get that house cleaned up. What you can do. And then he says, once I get those lights on, you keep them on. Don't you turn them off. And that's what he says. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, John chapter 12 verse 36, he says, while you are, while you are in the light, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. In Luke 8 verse 16 and 17, he said, no man when he's lighted a candle covers it with a vessel, or puts it under a bed, but he sets it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither is anything hidden that shall not be known and come abroad. And I'm thinking, oh, is he going to look everywhere in my house? Is he going to turn every light on? Is he going to Do I have a light in my closet? What have I got in my closet? We like the term transparency, don't we? Especially in politics right now. We're saying we need to be transparent in politics. What are the politicians saying? Not, not necessarily what they're saying. What are they doing? I need to know what's going on. As a member of this community, I need to know what's happening. So transparency means everything should be above board. Everybody should be able to see. We're saying that everybody has a right not to hide things in the darkness, but bring it out into the light so I can see what's going on. That's a legitimate request and should apply to everyone. Honesty has no fear for the light. The first thing that, his, that Jesus taught his disciples to do was to recognize the source of the light. Recognize where the light's coming from. The light is not coming from me. The light is coming from Jesus. And the way the light gets there is through the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. Paul said, If our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach, and here's the point, we preach not ourselves. But Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. It's imperative that we understand 
When we're putting on the light, we're putting the light on Jesus and not on ourselves. Now it took me a long time in my preaching to realize that that's what ought to be done. I used to think the thing we need to do is put the light on the church. Let everybody see the church. We are the right church. We're the good church. We're the good ones. We're the good guys with the white hats. And so I, I wanted to make sure that everybody understood that we are the church. Well, that, that should be understood to some degree. But really, what we should be preaching is, Jesus is the Savior. I'm not the light. And if I start focusing on myself, you're going to dig around and you're going to find something. You're going to find my feet of clay. You're going to find something that will turn you off, maybe. But when I preach Jesus Christ, you can't turn that light off. You can turn mine off. And I can turn yours off. Other people can turn your lights off. But you can't turn off Jesus. You can't turn that light off. There's no off switch on Him. There's a lot of off switches on us, but there's no off switches on Him. Once a person takes Jesus into their hearts, into their house, He lights up their life. He lights up your life so brightly that others can see this effect of His presence. They can see the light shining in your life. And that's what He's talking about in Matthew chapter 5. He can see you. You have the light. And what they're seeing is you. They're seeing you. Now think about it in terms of a lighthouse. We put a lighthouse out on a promontory, out on a point, where there's some dangerous waters, and we want to make sure that the ships coming close to shore don't run aground. I thought for a long time that that's where my house ought to be because we had lights on all the time. Everybody could see. But anyway, the lighthouse is out there, and there's a caretaker, and he's shining the light. That caretaker is not the light. He has the light that he's shining. I'm not the light. Jesus is the light. And if you can see him in me, then you're seeing him. Let me, let me make sure we're getting this right. If the curtains are drawn over me, and you can't see Jesus in me, then we're getting back into the dark. I'm not saying see Bill. I'm saying see Jesus. If He's there, let Him shine. Ephesians 5.8 says, You were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I know I'm not being specific yet, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get specific in just a minute. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5 says, You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. The light that Jesus shed on us should surround us and shine out of us. The first order of business is to make sure that He lights up our lives. The next order of business is to make sure that we project Him and show Him in our lives to others. 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. 
among whom you shine as lights in the world. John the Apostle said we ought to be walking in the light. Walking in the light as he is in the light. And we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now, now let's get down to it. Let's talk about how my light will shine. How the light of Jesus can shine in my life. And how that I am that city set on a hill. How that's going to happen. It's very simple. Very simple. I haven't had any specifics, but I'm going to get specific right now. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you that there are two ways in particular. One, basically, is, is what he said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, are works. But let's start out with words. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I, and I know you know it as well as I do, that I do not have to teach you how to say words of darkness. You know how to do that. You need no instructions in how to tell somebody something dark. Not at all. We've got plenty of experience doing that. All of us can say things that will dampen somebody else's spirit. And we can say them casually, deliberately. We can say them any kind. And you know how it works. It's not only what you say. It's the tone of voice in which you say it. Isn't that right? When I was younger in college, I loved psychology. I loved taking psychological classes, classes in psychology. It wasn't my major, but I got a hold of it and I liked it. Bonnie remembers it. Kids remember it. They say a little psychology will make you dangerous. And I was dangerous. I would, I would come home with tests Test my children. Test my wife. I want to test everybody. Give them psychological tests. I didn't bring the Rorschach cards home. I could have, I guess, but I didn't. But I, I did all these tests. And I did all these questionnaires with, with the kids. And I, I looked at their behavior, saw what they would do. And I really got in, involved in that. And I was excited about that. That was good stuff. Because I was, I was figuring out what was going on with them. Then I took a little more psychology, and it wasn't quite as much fun. It began to depress me. <laughs> it began, I began to think, well, how can anybody ever sit around and hear somebody else's problems day in and day out and not go out and cut their throat? Man, when you start hearing words that are depressing and dark, all of a sudden your shoulders slump and your head bows and you kind of shuffle off home and try to get away from it. You know there's a higher rate of suicide, the, the highest rate of suicide, among psychologists and psychiatrists. Why? Because they're sitting in the darkness every day. Somebody's pouring out their problems to them and saying words that are dark and harmful and hurtful. And they're hearing all this. They're wallowing around in the dark, in the cesspool of darkness. And no wonder they're depressed. I'll tell you what, you don't have, I don't have to tell you how you can kill the spirit of your family and put it in the darkness. I don't have to tell you. You know how to do that. I don't have to tell you what kind of words you have to use. I've looked in the eyes of people, and I know exactly people that I love and people that I know, and I look in their eyes and I see a deep, deep sadness. Why? Somebody has said something to them and poured out something to them that is almost... Kill their spirit. 
You don't, I don't have to tell you how to do that. We don't have to teach darkness. Darkness seems to come natural. But I can tell you how to use the light. And we need to be taught how to use the light. If I want to lift your spirit, I know how to say good words that will lift your spirit. I know how, that's light. I know those words that are light. They'll lift your burden. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I thought, I wonder if he's talking about this kind of light. He wasn't. But even that, I'm thinking about it. Well, light doesn't have any weight anyway. So good light words are going to lift your spirit. It won't put you down. won't put you off. We know how we can ease somebody's burdens instead of piling on burdens, don't we? We know how to do that. I know how to ease your burden. I know how to come up and put my arm on your shoulder and say, everything's going to be all right. Everything's been okay. And if you're struggling, I'm here with you and I will help you if I can. You know what that is? That's light. That's light. Those are light words. I know, I know how we can comfort people when they're in pain. When a person's in pain, their heart's broken. We know how to comfort. We don't have to pour on misery. Misery is out of the darkness. That's where misery lives, in the darkness. The light brings life. The darkness brings death. I know how. I don't have to be taught how to bring you down and make you sad and make you feel like you can't make it. But I also know how to put my arm around you and say, hey, let's get in this together. Let's take care of that pain. We'll get through this. We can get through this together. I know how to, to uh, encourage someone who's struggling. And I know how to put them down and say, hey, you never make it anyway. Don't even try. Don't even try. That's darkness. That's not light. And the world wallows around in that sort of stuff. The world is groping around that sort of, uh, that sort of muck and slime. Crawly things are in the darkness. Creepy things are in the darkness. Butterflies are in the light. And birds that sing are in the light. And when you're struggling, and I can help you, that's light. And that's what Jesus said. He came to give us light. Good words can heal old wounds. Or they can pick at the scab. You start picking at a wound and you're back in the darkness. You start hurting people, you're in the darkness. You start putting them down, you're in the darkness. You start criticizing them, mumbling about them, making them feel bad about themselves and about everybody else around them and saying things, you're just wallowing around in the darkness. But good words will help people struggle and get better. Criticism never made anyone better. Never made anybody better. If you're going to tell somebody that you're wrong, you better tell them how to get right easily and that the best way and help them get that way. Good, thing, good words will bring hope to the despondent. And it will bring life to the dying. That's light. Light is life. And so he says, Bill, you be light. So what do I do? He said, you go out and say good things. You go out and ease burdens. You, you tell people good things. You tell them things that will comfort them. Don't bring them down. Don't depress them. Don't wallow around in the darkness and make everybody feel like the world's coming to an end. We know it is. But when it comes to an end, it's going to come to a bright end, not a, not a dark one. 
We turn on the light also by leading other people into the light. So we turn on the light in terms of works. And you know what James said? He said, he said faith without works is dead, didn't he? James 2.17. But he also said before that, he said, if you say to your brother, be you peace and be filled, and you don't give them the things they need, what good is it? So, let's talk about works. My little children, let us not love in words, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's 1 John 3.18. That, my friend, is an ellipsis. You know what I mean? He's saying, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue only, but also in deed and in truth. So you have to love in word, and you have to love in your tongue. You have to say good things, but you also have to match it with good works. Well, how do, how do we light up the world around us? The world's sitting in darkness, and, he, and we're told, city set on the hill cannot be hid, and he said, you need to put some light in here. Works of love will fill an empty stomach. If somebody's watching me through a window, and my family, and we're in comfort, we're in our home, and we're eating, and they're outside hungry, what do I do? Well, I need to fill their stomach. That's light. Darkness says, turn off the lights. We don't want them to see what we're doing. <laughs> you don't do that. You help them fill their stomachs. I put on a coat during the wintertime, and I'm, I'm warm, and I'm comfortable, and I may even have long johns on, and, and uh, thermal socks and so forth, and I'm warm, and I see somebody shivering without a coat on their back, what do I do? What do I do? Well, I can turn off the light so they can't see me all snug and warm. Or I can turn on the light and help them. Give them a coat. You know, we live in a society where we can, we can almost choose a coat we want. It's not like we don't have anything to dress. But... What about some people, somebody that doesn't have a coat? Works of compassion put warm clothes on shivering backs. Works of generosity tell the poor that they aren't forgotten. We know you're struggling. We're going to help you. We're going to help you. Works of care show aching hearts that God loves them. We step up. We help them. Why? Because we're not crouched over here in the darkness criticizing them. We're standing there helping them. We've got our hand. We're going to help them. We don't have our hand out for help. We have our helping hand out to help them. Works of obedience. Jesus said, if you obey me, my Father and I will come into you and you'll show the light. Works of obedience cast illumination. People see you go to church services. People see you studying your Bible. People see you gathering with other Christians. We can't do that right now, but we are gathered over the internet. We are doing that. People know that we're there and we want to be there. Well, they can see that we have a dedication and devotion to God. We're not staying apart because we don't want to be together. We're staying apart because we don't want each other hurt. Works of compassion and devotion and duty, that's the light. Work of humility, helping someone that's not where we think is on our social scale. Wow, can a Christian think like that? Not if you're in the light, you can't think like that. 
You can't think that anybody is below you. Somebody begging for money, somebody that doesn't have what we have, somebody is struggling economically, somebody that doesn't have the high station, doesn't have the education, you shouldn't make fun of someone because they, they talk different. You shouldn't take, make fun of someone because they look different. Well, and you should, certainly shouldn't make fun of someone who's what we believe to be lower in our life station. Humility and standing with them just like Jesus stood with the poor and the dispossessed. Standing with them shines a light of Jesus Christ in the highest places. You know, the Bible says that God dwells in the light. The Bible says that there's a rainbow around the throne of God. The Bible says that Jesus, His face shines as the sun in His glory. That's because He loves light and He wants you to love light. Light travels at the speed of 186,282 miles per second. You know how fast darkness travels? I want to tell you, darkness oozes. Darkness kind of plods along. You can make things dark and you can get things plodding along and you can, you can bring everything down and sad and lonely and forlorn. You know how fast darkness travels? 177 feet per second. Not very fast, is it? The light drives the darkness away. The light flashes. We say that the sun rises in its glory and the night falls. Isn't that something? Night falls. We, we know what darkness and light is and we know what it does, don't we? We're afraid of the shadows, but we rejoice in the light. Evil dwells in the shadows, in the shade, in the darkness. That's where people want to come out in the darkness and play in the, in the games of this world. You turn the light on and, and all of a sudden the little dark critters run everywhere. You know, the little bugs and so forth, they go everywhere. Because the light drives them away. The light rises, the darkness falls. The light exposes, the darkness hides. The light lives, the darkness dies. Light thrives, and here's the point. Darkness absorbs, sucks it in. Did you know that? The reason light disappears, and it doesn't really disappear, it's absorbed. If you were out in the sun in the Sahara Desert, and you had some white shoes on, and a black hat, you know what would get hot the fastest? That black hat, because it's going to absorb the sun. It's going to absorb the light. It's going to kill the light. And your shoes, your feet won't get quite as hot. We know that. You don't, you don't have a dark car in a, in a sunlit place. You have a light car because it reflects the light. But the darkness absorbs. It sucks in the light. That's what the, what the darkness does. It, it's selfish. It absorbs. And it has no energy. It just lays there like a big blob. Darkness doesn't do anything. Darkness kills you. Light has energy. Darkness soaks up the energy selfishly. Brother and sister, 
Believers, fellow believers in Christ, you are the children of light. Walk in the light. Turn on the lights. Get out of the darkness. God help you do that.